So, good to have you all here tonight on another beautiful day of the revival. Sunshine out there, and God's just been blessing all over the place. Trust that uh, you've enjoyed the week so far, and uh, we'll continue to do so. Enjoying the, uh, not just the weather, but the preaching, the meals, the fellowship, all the things that God has brought our way. So, uh, looking forward to uh, all of the things that God's going to do tonight, tomorrow, and Friday as we finish up this week. I know, this is that proverbial day in which it's like, whew, everybody starts feeling it, right? And we get tired, like, oh man, but I'm going to tell you, you want to finish it out, God's doing some wonderful things and we'll get a chance to tell you about some of those things in just a little bit. If you're visiting for the first time, if you would please, stop by the visitor's desk and uh, welcome center. We'd like to give you a, a, a gift and welcome you officially. If you're visiting online for the first time, sbtnd.org slash contact. Let us know that you're out there. It's always an encouragement to us. Uh, as we do those things. Then we have revival, of course, that we've been talking about. Before I forget this, though, I'm going to mention there is a meeting for the Utah Mission Strip, which is, they leave on Saturday morning, uh, right over here with Pastor Brett as soon as this service is over. So uh, uh, meet there. You're supposed to already know about it. But anyway, um, so uh, we have the meals at 6 o'clock. We have the service at 7 o'clock. During that service, we have a children's ministry, which we'll have in just a little bit. We'll dismiss the kids to a children's uh, church type of thing. Well, I'm not, I can't remember what they're calling it, but anyway, a kids club. And then uh, out, then afterwards, the teenagers go outside, play some games, and, and they're in their cola wars all week long. So a lot of great things happening there. We're excited. We told you at the beginning of the week how God was, uh, or how the devil was fighting this week of meetings. And I want you to know about some wonderful victories that God is giving. Because God has done something this week that is um, going to just shock you. So our own, Miss Judy Spain, who we all know and love and sitting right over here, has for the last three or four years been battling getting her van to, to operate. In fact, she had come to the conclusion that maybe God was just saying it's time to stay home. And... Um, Someone else in the church, burdened by that, wrote a letter to a man named Jim Irsay and asked him to consider something. And um, so $88,000 later, this is what's coming Miss Judy's way. That's the God we serve, folks, uh, something we would have never expected. But uh, what a joy it is, Miss Judy. We're so happy for you. And no excuses now. We expect you ever. <laughs> oh, so in the midst of all the things that, you know, have made it difficult, God just is doing work. And sometimes it's work that we don't always know. And um, what a joy it is. We're going to take up an offering, and all the offering goes to uh, Dave Young and his family to keep them on the road doing the job that God has called them to do. And we invite you to dig deep and uh, give as into the hands of the Lord, right? Uh, we would, uh, if, you, if you don't have cash or any, because it's kind of a cashless society, you can do this online at sbtnd.org slash giving. Hit the drop down, and uh, you'll see offer your revival in there, and all of that comes in for revival will go to Brother Dave. Uh, we want to be a blessing to him, so we encourage you to do so. Let's have the men come, and we'll take up the evening offering. 
Brother Devin, you're going to uh, ask the Lord, if you would please, for blessings on the service, for blessings on the offering, and remember to thank the Lord for the blessings of uh, what he did for Miss Judy today. Heavenly Father, you are such a good God to us, and we are amazed at the, the gifts that you give your children and the blessings that you pour out on us. And, Lord, I, I just ask that we would uh, continue to, to seek you with our needs and to seek you with our desires, Lord, because I truly believe that there are storehouses in heaven that all we need to do is ask, Lord. And I just pray that we would we'd be a, a praying church for our needs, Lord. We're just so grateful that you provide, uh, provide those needs. And, Lord, I just pray for the, uh, for the message this evening, Lord. I pray that it would... Uh, pierce our hearts as your word does, and uh, Lord, our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Lord, we're asking you to to break through that in our lives here this evening and this week, Lord, to do a work. And I pray that we would not be weary uh, this evening in in your word and think, well, Lord, uh, you've already done a work. Let's let's call it good, Lord. I pray that we would be hungry for more. I pray that we would desire to love your word more. I pray that we would desire to be with your people more. And I pray that we would seek after you in a greater fashion, that we would be wowed uh, even more at what you can do in our lives, Lord. We ask you for this offering, Lord. I pray that uh, we would uh, give uh, from uh, a place of uh, cheerfulness and a place of desiring to further the ministry and the gospel, Lord. I pray that this money would be uh, would be multiplied for your ministry, and that people would come to know you as their Savior uh, through this offering, Lord. Uh, we thank you for this amazing week that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for your word and the power of it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you, DeAndre. <clears throat> Hope that is your desire tonight to have a passion for the Lord. The song that the choir sang is Jesus Paid It All, All to Him I Owe. And we're going to sing about that, what He did for us on the cross. So if you would please stand. If you're able, let's sing together. Nothing but the blood, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of
sing that last verse. We'll dismiss the three-year-olds all the way to sixth grade. You can head on back. We're going to sing that last verse. Listen to the words. When we get to that chorus, the words kind of change, but we'll sing it a cappella. So we'll sing that fourth verse when we get to the chorus. Just our voices. Oh, to see my name. Oh, to see my name. Everything in 
Bible, would you please find 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, and a good evening church family, good to see you tonight, hope you've had a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday, and uh, it's uh, halfway through the week, you guys are getting close to the end, pastor said at the beginning, don't get tired, y'all remember when he said that, don't get tired now, hang in there, it's the middle of the week, reminded me of a story I heard a long time ago about this older couple, they'd been married for years, and uh, as they... Uh, they had finally gotten older, and they were both in wheelchairs. They had to go to a nursing home and a retirement home. And one morning, they both wheeled their chairs outside, and they were sitting out in the sun. And he looked over at her and thought she looked a little discouraged. So he thought he would encourage her. So he said to her, he said, Honey, I'm proud of you. And she said, What's that? So he said, Honey, I'm proud of you. She said, I still didn't get it. So he cupped his hands around his mouth, and he said to her, Honey, I'm proud of you. She said, yeah, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> That's so bad, isn't it? So it's Wednesday night now, two more nights. Don't get tired of it yet. We've got a lot to do here and yet a lot to cover. And uh, keep letting the Lord work in your heart. Thank you for being so faithful. We had amazing crowds this week. And I'm just honored and delighted that you were able to be here. You, most of you have left right after the service, the, uh, the main service here. But they've had great services in the teen department afterwards. And those have been really good. And the young people have had a great time. My charity has had a great time being a part of that. And I've gotten to hear the young men preach as well. It's just been good. So you keep praying about that as well and expecting the Lord to work among us. We've covered a lot of territory with the word thrive. God didn't save us to survive. He saved us to, to thrive. And that's what we're talking about. And what do you do? What do you do while the world around you falls apart? We're going to look at that tonight. By the way, before we do... Uh, several folks had come and asked, several folks thought that we could ask for the book on Allah, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, and uh, we got more of them in. There's a few more that came in, so if you were looking for one of those, I've got a few more, and I'll get it to you after the service. But let's think about thriving now, and what we've learned so far is that if you're going to thrive in a world like ours, you've got to know. How many of y'all remember? Y'all got that one down pretty good? I keep bringing that one up, so you ought to have that one by now. You've got to know who God is, what you have, and what you're to do. That's chapter 1. Then, what do we learn next? You've got to grow. And we had two messages on that, right? You've got to grow in holiness. You've got to grow in honesty. You've got to grow in honor. And last night, you've got to grow at home. And tonight, we're going to talk about what do you do to thrive in a world like ours? You've got to sow. You've got to sow. Now, notice what he says here. We're in 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's start in the 12th verse. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. If you're ready, say amen. amen. All right. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Wow, what a verse, wouldn't you say? For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Three statements there, and every one of those are just phenomenal. The Lord knows everything going on in our lives. That's what He's saying in that first line there. God knows all about you. God knows what's happening in your home, teenagers, and what's happening in your private world, and 
the habits of your life, moms and dads. God knows what's going on in your home, your family, you older folks. He knows what's happening with your grandkids. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And aren't you glad His, His ears are open to our prayers? Aren't you glad for that? And aren't you glad, aren't you glad, really, that the Lord's face is against them that do evil? Mine is too, aren't you? Aren't you that way? And uh, so the Lord, he's, he's against that which is wrong. And verse 13 picks it up with a question. Who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteous sake, righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil doing. How many of y'all recognize these verses, do you? Are they kind of ringing a bell in your heart? They're loaded verses. There's no way I could do them justice tonight. Did you find verse 14 a little odd? But and if you suffer, happy are ye. That, that, just, doesn't seem to, that just doesn't seem to mesh, does it? Why, why if I'm suffering for that which is right, am I happy? Well, verse 12 is the reason. The reason I can be happy in a, a sin-cursed world like ours, suffering for righteousness' sake, is because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open to our prayers. So there, there can be happiness in a world like ours. And He's reminding us here, we can be happy. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be troubled. Instead, what He says here is, I need to sow spiritually. Y'all believe in sowing and reaping, don't you? Help me out tonight. Y'all awake now? Y'all awake? Everybody awake? All right, if you sow taters, what do you get? Now, y'all were a little slow on that, a little slow. I think y'all can do better than that. So you sow taters, what do you get? You get taters. If you sow maters, what do you get? That's pretty simple, isn't it? And this is how God's plan always has been that way. You reap what you sow. If I were preaching to y'all in junior church, I would say you grow what you sow. You see that? You grow what you sow. Let's all do that. Y'all ready? It'll help you. It'll be good for you. Wake up, y'all. Wake up. Be ready now. Wake up. You grow what you sow. Don't miss that. That's a Bible truth. The Bible says, sow to yourself in righteousness. Break up your fallow ground and sow to yourselves in righteousness. The Bible way of saying that here. So what, what are we to sow? I mean, how do we thrive in a world like ours? Well, you've got to sow righteousness. And notice what he says in the 15th verse. Start here. Start here. Number one. Start here. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Start there. Sow that in your life. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. What in the world does that mean? The word sanctify means to make holy. Make holy the Lord God in your hearts. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. How I many of y'all know this? God's already holy, isn't He? I can't make Him more holy than He is. Y'all agree with that? So what in the world does He mean here? That I ought to sanctify the Lord God in my heart. The emphasis is in my heart. God's already holy, but I need to sow this in my life. It's a Bible way of saying here, perhaps like this, get everything in your life right with God. That's a good thing to sow in your life, don't you think? Get every area of your life right with God. Have you all know this verse? The Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Don't we say things like this a lot in our Christianity? Well, you know, I, I know we ought to have family devotions. You ever heard somebody say something like that? Well, I know I ought to be a soul winner. Well, you know, I ought to be a better husband. I ought to be a better wife. You know, I ought to, be a, I, I ought to, I ought to read my Bible more than I do. 
We often think in that terminology or even speak like that. But you know what the Bible says? When I know and I don't, there's sin in my life. What the Bible is saying right here is, don't just go through the motions. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Get all in for God. Make everything in your life right with God and, and, and just go as far as you can with God. Get all in for God. Say, so, well, how far do you go? Well, just go as far as you can. Is there any area of your life that could be more like Jesus? All right, go to work there. Sow that in your life. Break up your fallow ground and start sowing in your life righteousness. You've got to sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That's where it starts here. It's a Bible way of saying just pretty simply here, get everything right with God. Get everything in your life right with God. He uh, alludes to that in chapter 4, if you want to glance over to chapter 4. And and notice what he says in chapter 4 and verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Do you see what God's plan for your life is? That you and I no longer live controlled by the old man, the sin nature, but that we come to a place in our life where we are controlled by the will of God. We walk with God and have God's favor in our life and God's blessings in our life. How many of you all want God's favor and God's blessings in your life, don't you? And what the Bible says right here is you've got you to gotta change the way you live. Don't live to, according to the flesh, the, the old man lust, but live to the will of God. Because he says in verse 3, for the time past, how many of y'all remember the time past? Y'all remember the time past? How, how many of y'all are saved tonight? Raise your hand good night. Remember before you got saved? Remember the sinner you were? Remember the sinner you were? Y'all remember the sinner you were? Now, some of you, that's hard, isn't it? Because you got saved when you were four. That's my sweetheart. My sweetheart, uh, sweetheart got saved when she was four. Uh, she, she doesn't remember a lot of that, you know, time past. I mean, how do you give a testimony when you got saved at four? I'd tried everything. I've been around the block twice on my tricycle. I mean, that's, that's a little different ballgame, isn't it? But the fact of the matter is, the Bible is reminding us here that all of us are sinners. No matter how old you were or how young you were, all of us are sinners. And that old nature, that old sin nature, will always rob you of the blessings of God. So you've got to sow righteousness in your life. That's what he's talking about here. He said, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. And notice this old man description. When we walked in lasciviousness and lust and excess of wine and revelings and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Is that not the world we live in? If you're not going to do it their way, they're going to speak evil about you. They're against you. They're not on your side. They think you're nuts for trying to have a good marriage. They think you're nuts for trying to live the Bible plan of marriage. The world thinks we're nuts for trying to raise our kids the right way for God. You're with me on that, aren't you? So the Bible says here, you've got to sow this in your life. You've got to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Hey, kids, this is a Bible way of asking you a question tonight. Are you young people all in for God? I mean, is He number one in your life? Are you pursuing Him with all of your heart and all your soul and all your mind, all your strength? Are you in love with Him? Are you sanctifying the Lord God in your heart? I know the world's heart. It's a hard hour to live in. Everything's against you. You get on the Internet and, and there's all kinds of garbage and distractions and frustrations and, and the world is throwing philosophies your direction faster than you can keep up with it. But the Bible says here, you've got to decide what you're going to sow. Be practical about it. 
Joshua said it like this. I like Joshua's take on it. Joshua said, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord. You remember those verses? If it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, he said, well, then choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods that your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're dwelling. But, y'all remember this one? As for me and my house, we'll what? You know what Joshua was saying right there? Look, if it's, if it's an evil thing to serve God, don't serve Him. That's what he's saying. If it's a bad thing to serve God, don't. You know what Peter's trying to say in the text we're reading tonight? God is bigger and better than everything happening because of the curse of sin. God's bigger than this curse of sin, isn't He? Y'all believe that? And He's better than the curse of sin, isn't He? I mean, be, be, just be simply practical about it. How do you want to live your life? Teenagers, where do you want to be when you're my age? And you'll be here before you know it. Hopefully you have this much hair. Unlike some preachers I know. Some of you boys are going to be bald here before you know it. It's happening, guys. Some of, you have, some of you don't stand a chance. But you're going to be my age before you know it. It's going to happen. And how do you want to be? What do you want to be when you're there? What, what, what kind of marriage do you want to have? What kind of family? You've got to sanctify the Lord God. You've got to sow that in your life. It's what he's saying here. You want to thrive? Then you've got to get planting. You've you got, you got to get the right harvest going in your life. You've got to sow that which is right. Every step of your life, you're planting, you're planting, you're planting, you're sowing, you're sowing. And you know this is Bible, don't you? You reap what you sow. You always will. Uh, nobody's ever been exempt from that, and none of us will be the first. So kids, you've got to get sowing. Moms and dads, you've got to get sowing. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart is a Bible way of saying, don't let the old man hinder you from being the new man. Don't let the old man hinder you from being the new man. God saved you, gave you His Word, gave you His Spirit. Get sowing in your life because it pays off to serve God. God is bigger and God is better than the curse of sin. You all ought to believe that tonight. It's a great thing. Guys, look at me. You young people, look at me. You young, look, at, look at young people tonight around this room. Look at me. Can I tell you something? It's a wonderful thing to serve God. And it just is, isn't it? It's not an easy thing. That's one of the messages that I like in 1 Peter. He says, it's not easy to serve God. You might suffer some. And there's really no might about it. Guess what he said? He uses the word if in our text tonight. Hard times will come to your life. How many of you have experienced that, have you? Challenges come. Valleys come. Difficulties come. I'd say things are really great in our life tonight. Beth and I are doing well. I love her. She loves me. That's a good thing. Don't you all agree? We're in love. That's a good thing. Don't you all agree? Don't you think it's good to be married and like your spouse? Y'all with me on that or not? That's a good thing, isn't it? And our kids are well. We're blessed. We're blessed. That doesn't mean life is easy. Doesn't mean there's not hardships. Our last couple of years, we, we had to walk through the valleys with Bethlehem's mom and dad. And our dad went home to be with the Lord. And that was not an easy thing. See, there's valleys in life. We all suffer no matter how well things are. We've we got to go through the valleys. We've got to go through the tragedies. Dad was a great pastor. He pastored Newark Baptist Temple in Heath, Ohio for 47 years. And was a phenomenal preacher and phenomenal pastor. Just a great guy. He called me every week. I miss him because he called me every week to tell me what a great evangelist I was. Every week he'd call me and he'd say, Well, son, how's the meeting going? I'd tell him, he'd say, Oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. He'd say, You know, you're... You're just the greatest evangelist I know. He told me stuff like that all the time. Never argue with a brilliant man. And uh, 
And he just told me that, and he'd always close the conversation. Every time he called me, he'd say, now, son, this was Bethlehem's dad. Now, son, he'd say, I give you permission to soundly kiss my daughter. He always told me that. And I always hang up the phone and say, baby, bring it on. Your daddy's head to obey your daddy. And uh, that's a preacher out here, won't it? But see, we had to walk through that valley. Dad retired, and we thought, you know, he's going to have a long time with us. His health seemed good, but he didn't live very long. Got a disease and then had an operation, and, and he didn't recover from the operation. The next thing you know, it dawned on us, he's not going to be with us. And, and it was just a matter of time until he was in heaven. And yet, you know, in the darkness of that valley, is it worth it to serve God? Yes, you know why? Because what a celebration! Were we sad? Yes, we were sad. But that man lived to meet Jesus. That was his whole life, his whole goal, to tell people about Jesus. And see, even the dark things of life, when you sow right, pay off. God is bigger and God is better. Walk out of here tonight believing that. God is bigger than the curse of sin and He's better than the curse of sin. Well, you ought to come to Him if you don't know Him and be saved. And if you do know Him, you ought to get sowing righteousness in your life. God is better. That's the message I want you to hear tonight. God is better. And that's what He wants you to know. So you sow righteousness in your life. There's a second lesson He gives us here in the text. And I want to watch the time, so let's hasten to it. He says in the 15th verse, here's what you sow. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And then there's a second one in verse 15. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Here's the second thing we ought to sow. We ought to talk about the hope that is within us. You've got to sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That's a Bible way of saying, get all in. Do what's right. God is bigger. God is better. Put Him first and love Him and serve Him. But the Bible says right here, now be ready, church, be ready. You want to thrive in a world like ours? And you've got to be ready to talk about the hope that is within you. Are you saved? You on your way to heaven? How much talk can you do about the hope that is within you? Are you ready in a world like ours to answer the crazy questions of a world like ours? None of us have all the answers, but are you advancing? Are you growing? You've got to be ready, prepared. You live in a messed up world. How many of y'all do know that? Do you know that? But how many of y'all believe that you have hope within you? You're on your way to heaven. God is real. God is bigger. God is better. And you know Him. Is that true in your life? You know what the world around us need? They need Jesus. The Bible says we've got to be ready to give an answer concerning the hope that is within us. How long has it been since you were ready to talk to people about Jesus? How long has it been since you were working on somebody trying to get them saved? Some years ago, we were home. A big thunderstorm came through. And um, next thing I know, I looked down the yard. It was thundering and lightning. We get bad thunderstorms in northern Florida where we live and along the Gulf Coast there. And this was, I mean, it was thunder and pouring rain. And, you know, loud claps of thunder and bolts of lightning. I look out in the yard, and there's a pretty good-sized dog out there. And uh, he's terrified. I mean, the dog, every time the thunder sounds, the dog just, you know, is yelping and, and it's just terrified. Well, I dashed outside and whistled for the dog, opened my garage door, and that dog ran into my garage door, got water everywhere, shook everywhere, you know. And I closed the garage door and had a new dog and, uh, that I didn't want. And so I calmed him down, I petted him, got him, you know, some water and Calmed him down, and then the family came out, and I said, Now, where, where have we seen this dog? I know this dog. I, I, I know somewhere we've seen this dog. So we 
thought about it a moment. So, you know, we think it's that one brick house about a half a mile down the road. It's that one brick house, and they have the fence around their pool. I think that's the dog that sometimes you see inside that fence. So I drove down there. I got down there and knocked on their door, and I said, Is there any chance at all you guys are missing a dog? Oh, my goodness, they said, We are. Do you have our dog? And I said, Yep, he's in my garage. And they said, We'll be right there. So they followed me up to the house, and well, we stood in our yard and talked for an hour. And, you know, I never met this guy before. Do you suppose God would send a dog to my house so a man could hear about hope? Absolutely. So next thing you know, we have a conversation here. And, and I answered some of his questions. He had some questions. Not sure about God. Not sure about it. Not sure about it. And over the next, I don't know, three or four years, at least wasn't it, love? Three or four years. I'd go down to his house, knock on his door, and try to connect with him. And his job, he was busy and going here and going there and never could get him to come to church with me. And, we even tried to connect so we could have a meal together, and that didn't work. And, and finally, uh, I got him connected to my pastor, and he and, you know, pastor lives on the street behind me, so we're all kind of neighbors there in that neighborhood. And, and so we, you know, kind of get to know we're trying to talk to this guy. Ready? He's got questions, giving him answers. We tried for four years, trying to talk with him, give him answers. Be ready. Be, even if it's a dog, be ready to answer the question. And... Uh, we were walking Christmas time, and he came up the road beside us. He's got one of those big four-wheel drive dually pickup trucks, and, and a great big old thing. Sits way off the ground, and all he needs is a get her done sign in the windshield uh, to complete the picture. And, and he rolled up beside us. Beth and I were having our morning walk, and there he came, and he rolled his window. Well, I couldn't see him because, you know, the truck's up here. So I stepped up on the side of the truck, and he said, hey, haven't seen you in a while. Well, we weren't home hardly at all last year with our revival meetings. And I said, yeah, I've been gone a lot. He said, hey, I just wanted to stop and tell you I'm coming to church with you Sunday. I said, really? I mean, you'd think an evangelist have more faith than that. <laughs> he said, I'm coming to church with you Sunday. I was like, seriously? So he hadn't come in four years. Well, you know, he did. Brought his Find out he and his wife going through a divorce. And all of a sudden, God has his attention. He came. He actually came three or four weeks. I had to leave. I, I was home for a couple of weeks in December, and then we left, and I hit the road again in revivals. And and uh, pastor texted me one day and said, hey, your neighbor, your neighbor after service today said, hey, pastor, I want to join the church. He's not saved yet, but he wants to join the church. And I texted pastor back, and I said, well, I'm out of town. That's all up to you, buddy. And pastor kept giving him answers. He had a lot of questions, kept meeting with him. Well, you know, he... A few weeks ago, prayed to be saved. And he got baptized. Now his little boy got baptized with him. His little girl got baptized with him. Well, he's got a long way to go. Y'all know that, don't you? He's got a long way to go. But you've got to be ready. What are we doing about a world like ours? How do you thrive in a world like ours? You keep talking to people. You, you just got to keep giving answers to people. You got to keep reaching out to people. You got to keep... For us, it was our neighbor. We worked on him. Our one neighbor, our one neighbor, Matthew. Y'all remember my Matthew, right? Your summer intern a few years ago. My Matthew, uh, our neighbor's granddaughter moved in one summer. And our Matthew, uh, he, uh, he caught her attention. Apparently, she likes handsome guys. And uh, my goodness, the poor kid, he got and work out in the garage and she'd just show up to talk to him while he was pumping iron. And uh, he said to me one day, he said, I can't even go jogging. She follows me. And, uh, and he wasn't far off. And, and, and we, we, you know, weren't sure what to do. She, you know, didn't dress necessarily the way maybe she should have. She was a little careless about that, especially around my teenage sons. And 
and uh, things like that. She is a little talk. I mean, the poor girl, she could talk the paint off the wall. And that was a true one. She found out that we do coffee every afternoon about 3 or 4 o'clock. We'll stop somewhere in there, our family, and we have a little coffee and talk. Normally, it was originally that was mine and Bethley's little date time every afternoon. And then as our kids got older, they joined us. They ruined our days. Uh, but she found out that we would have that little date time. She started showing up. She wouldn't, even, she wouldn't even wait for us to come to the door. She'd knock and walk in and say, Hey, y'all, is it time for coffee? And then she'd just say, Matthew came in one day. Our Matthew, I'll never forget this. Our Matthew came in one day and he said, I reckon we're going to have to win her to Jesus. That's not a bad idea, is it? He brought her to church with me. I was preaching in our hometown. And he brought her to church with him. One night she came to church and she sat, I think it was right over on the second row on this side. I didn't think she listened to a word I said. The whole time I talked, she kept her head down. She had a journal with her. and she, I didn't know if she was drawing or writing, but she, did, I, she didn't look at me. She just kept her head down. And as soon as that service was over and we said amen, she turned around to Matthew and she said, all right, I got a lot of questions. It's a good place to start, isn't it? You got to be ready. You got to be ready to answer every man regarding the hope that is in you. Matthew sat there for 45 minutes and answered her questions. I don't know how well he did. He is Matthew. But he answered, my wife just told me to stop it. Matthew, if you're watching this, I apologize. <laughs> but she, she gave him, he gave her answers. We bought her a Bible. I was out working in our little flower garden one afternoon. She came down with questions. So I'm out in the yard answering questions. This is what Peter said. This ought to be the norm of our life, Peter says, that I'm sowing the gospel in people's lives. I've got to be ready to give an answer. You go to Walmart. What happens at Walmart? You walk in. There's a greeter there. Hello. Welcome to Walmart. What a chance. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> Have a conversation. We went the other day to Walmart in uh, Harriman, Tennessee, Rockwood, Tennessee. And we walked in, and what was the joke that guy asked us? He said, hey, uh, he said, welcome to Walmart. He said, I got a, I got a, you got a joke for you. He said, what do you, what do you see when you see a, what do you do when you see a spaceman? I, like, I don't know. He said, well, you park there, man. <laughs> well, all right. Glad I came to Walmart for that one. There we are. But you know, sometimes you'll meet people out and about. You're going through a checkout line or something, and here's somebody, and they're obviously a little down or a little sullen. And our natural reaction isn't in this dark world of ours to be like, my word, people are so grouchy. The Bible says we've got to give answers. He says here, be ready to give an answer. The idea is be ready to talk about the gospel. Church family, you've got to work on that. If we're going to thrive in our generation, we've got to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. But we've also got to start speaking the gospel all around us. The world is in need of hope, and we've got to tell them about Jesus. Matthew kept working on our neighbor. We all kept working on her. Bethley worked on her, and I worked on her, and I stood out in the garden and answered her questions one afternoon. I was grilling chicken at home on a weekend, and she came walking down the driveway, and she said, Pastor Dave, can I talk to you? I said, well, sure, I'm, I'm grilling chicken, come on over. Came over and sat down on the concrete. She said, uh, Matthew gave me a bunch of brochures about God and, and Jesus and how He died, and I'm not sure I understand it. Be ready to give an answer. So I was... Uh, 
cooking chicken and preaching Jesus, giving her the gospel. After I went through the gospel with her, I'm still grilling the chicken. I said to her, I said, you know, you, you could ask Jesus to be your God and Savior right here. You could go home, go over to Grandpa's house there and go to your bedroom and get on your knees and pray. And, and I said, uh, or you could do it right here. I turned around and turned the chicken over. And when I closed the grill and turned back around, she's in tears. She's in tears. She said, can I do this right now? So on the carport, got the leader to Jesus. Her, uh, she, she, she's as rough as I'll get out. She just, she's such a mess. Bless her heart, she just cracked me up. She's just such a mess. The other morning I was walking my dog, and as early in the morning her grandma pulled out of the driveway, rolled down the window, we had a little chat. She said, oh, by the way, and she called her name, said, she's doing really well. She said, she's actually dating a preacher's son. <laughs> Run that by me one more time. <laughs> said she's dating a preacher's son. Said they're in church. She's in church with him every week. She said, I'm so proud of her. She's in church. My grandparents don't go to church. But this, this their granddaughter does. Why? Because we gave an answer to her. In church, isn't it true that we're so busy? How long has it been since you sowed the gospel? Be ready to give an answer. What do you do in a messed up world like ours? How do you thrive? Teenagers, some of you are on a sports team with all kinds of people that need Jesus. You done anything, doing anything to give answers regarding the hope that they need? People ask you questions sometimes along the way, and often we'll be a little embarrassed and not answer them or give a quick answer and move on. Church family, we've got to put our phones down. We've got to get serious about this. We've got to sow righteousness in our generation. Get all in for God. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And get all in with the gospel. We've got to take the gospel to this world. So you've got to get ready to give an answer. How long has it been since you spoke to a neighbor and uh, tried to get them saved? How long has it been since you uh, spent some time with somebody just to try to get them saved? Some of you got family that aren't saved, right? They still don't know Jesus. A brother or a sister, a son or a daughter, a grandson or a granddaughter, a really good friend that you've known for years and they haven't yet come to faith. Are you sowing in their life? Are you working at trying to see them saved? How long has it been since somebody heard the gospel because you were sowing the gospel? How long has it been since somebody knew about Jesus because you were sowing righteousness? How long has it been? If you're going to thrive in this messed up world, you've got to get overjoyed about the gospel. Yes, this world is suffering. Yes, we live in a sin-cursed world. But God is bigger and God is better than everything going on in this world. And one of the ways we make that known is I've got to sow righteousness. I've got to sanctify the Lord God in my heart. And I've got to be ready to give an answer when I'm asked about the hope that is within me. I've got to be ready, 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 ready to tell people about Jesus. How are you all doing? There's one last thing we've got to sow. And I've already alluded to it in the text. But I would say this. Don't you think we ought to sow fervent prayers? His ears are open unto their prayers, verse 12 says. His ears are open unto their prayers, verse 12 says. 
Chapter 4, verse 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. What are we doing in this messed up world? We sow prayers. I've got to look around at this messed up world and I've got to get serious. I've got to be sober. It's time to get serious in our generation and think like this. You know, my neighbors need Jesus and I've got to do something about that. My family's not yet saved. And oh God, I've got to do something about that. So what I've got to do is I've got to sow righteousness, sanctify the Lord God in my heart. I've got to be ready. I mean be ready, be on guard, be prepared to give answers to any question they might ask. I've got to sow the gospel. But I've got to pray fervently. And that's what he's saying there. We've got to pray up a storm. How long has it been since you prayed much at all for somebody you care about so they'd get saved? You know that neighbor had the dog? He was on my daily prayer list for four years. God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to win him or not. He, he's distracted. He works too hard. He's got a fishing boat. He's got an RV and he's got a motorcycle and he's got ATVs and he knows how to fish. He knows how to, you know... Uh, you know, ride his motorcycles, and every weekend he's got something. Lord, I don't know if he's going to get saved or not. We're going to keep working on him. And I kept praying for him. God, you've got to work in his heart. 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 Well, don't you think God answered my prayer? Do you all see that? So keep on praying. We prayed. We prayed for our neighbor's granddaughter. God, you've got to save her. I prayed for my grandpa. My grandpa wasn't saved. I, I didn't really know him. Most of you know this story. But I, I was, uh, I was you know, married with kids before I met my grandpa. And when I met him, he, was, he, was, you know, he walked out of my mom's life and had a lot of money. But he hated God and hated the Bible and hated Christianity. I'll tell you what I did. I prayed fervently for him. I can't tell you how many times in our family devotions I heard one of my children say, I'd say, what are we going to pray for tonight? And, and somebody, somebody would always say, all right, let's pray for great-grandpa Trenum. And I well, we really didn't know him that well. All we knew was that he's getting older. He was 70 when we met him, and now he's, you know, he's in his 80s, and then he was he's in his 70s, and he was in his 80s, and then he turned 90 and 91, he was 92. And honestly, after a while, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I've been praying fervently for him. How many times have I called his name out at your throne and maybe he's never going to get saved. You won't make him. How many of y'all know God won't make somebody get saved? Y'all know that? God won't make you get saved either. God won't force you. He loves you. His son Jesus died for your sins, was buried, was raised from the dead. But God won't make you get saved. He won't make you. He offers it to you freely. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. He did it all. But he won't make you. I'm praying for my grandpa. I talked to him. I witnessed to him. I had friends go see him. But I'm thinking maybe he's never going to get saved. But God was answering my prayers in ways I couldn't see it. God did it. A friend of mine went and picked him up. And, and I spent some time with him. And he said to her in, in one afternoon, he said to her, he said, you know that saved thing everybody keeps talking to me about? He's 92. You know the saved thing? He said, I can't sleep. I go to bed. And I lay there awake thinking about that saved thing. And he said, if I go to sleep, I dream about it. I don't know what I'd do with that theologically, but that's what he said, so I'm all about it. He can't sleep because he's thinking about it. When he goes to sleep, he dreams about it. And he said to my friend that afternoon, he said, do you think I ought to get that settled? And she said, yeah, I do. All right, he said, I'm ready. In all 20-some years of praying, 18, 19, 20 years, the man gets saved. I'm telling you, prayer works, church. 
God won't force, but you've got to keep praying. And, and don't take no for an answer. Jesus said things like this. Jesus said, now look, he said there's a kind of praying called importunity. And, and that's how you ought to pray when you're praying intercessory-wise. What you do is you go to God and you knock. The Bible says, knock and it shall be opened unto you. You go to God and you knock. And Jesus told a story about a man that needed help and he didn't have any way to give the help, but he had a friend that could give the help and he went to his house and he tried to get him out of bed at midnight. And he knocked on the door and the friend said, I can't help you, my kids are in bed and we're not getting up. And the friend wouldn't take no for an answer. And he just kept knocking. He just said, no, I'm, i I got to have some help here. Let me ask you a question. Would you get up? Well, I mean, after a while, you're, okay, fine. I'm coming, I'm, okay, I'm coming. Jesus said, pray like that. It's not that God is reluctant. How many of y'all believe God wants to save sinners? y'all believe that? God's not in heaven going, oh my goodness, I don't know. I, let me think about it. No. The Bible says He is rich in mercy. You want to know who God is? If God is a billionaire in mercy, and, and you have to take some of it. When you got saved, He had to give you some of His mercy, didn't He? He gave you His mercy. It didn't make him any less wealthy. Didn't make it, it didn't make him less wealthy. In fact, it, didn't make it, it, made it, it made him more wealthy. It's like love. How many of y'all know what love is? Like, see, I got children, and uh, I, I, when I had my Abigail, oh my goodness, I'm just telling you, I loved her. Wow. That's my little girl. I'm in love with her. That is my Abigail. I'm just telling you, I was in love, head over heels. And then we found out, a little surprise, we found out, oh my goodness, we're having another baby. And uh, pretty close together there. And I thought, here's what I thought. I think, no, wait a minute. I love her so much. How am I going to be able to love him? And then I found out that the more I love her, the more love I have. And then he comes along, and the more I love him, the more love I have. And love doesn't divide. Love doesn't subtract. Love, love doesn't even add. Love multiplies. And so you can come to God, you say, God, there's, there's just no way, there's just no way, God, we need, there's no way. But yet, if I keep praying, God's mercy is not limited. God's always, always able to save. So pray big, pray big. Church, you've got to sow if you're going to thrive. I'm out of time. You've got to sow if you're going to thrive. You've got to sow if you're going to thrive. And don't you think we ought to have a real old-fashioned revival invitation? And, and don't you think we ought to say, Lord... It's been a while since I was thriving when it comes to the gospel. It's been a while since I really tried to see people saved and really had, had your, your heart for souls. And Lord, it's been a long time maybe since I was all in for you. And Lord, it's been a long time since I prayed fervently about people getting saved. Do, do you understand what the Bible's trying to say here? If you're going to thrive, you've got to sow. If you're going to thrive, you've got to say, we're out of time tonight, but let me show you one more verse, can I? It's in chapter 3. Would you look at verse 18? Chapter 3, verse 18. He says right here, it's an illustration that don't be afraid that you're going to suffer in this world like ours because our Savior came to this world and suffered. Look at verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might watch church family. Bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Do you see what he's saying in that verse? Isn't that glorious? Dear friend, you, you need to understand that all of us are unjust. See that word over there? See that, see that word unjust? That's all of us. 
we're unjust. We're sinners. But look what that verse says. The just one, Jesus Christ, suffered for our sins. That's what happened on the cross. You see that cross? That's what happened on the cross. The just one, God himself, Jesus Christ, was suffering for our sins. The just one for the unjust. That's incredible. Why did he do that? That he might bring us to God. So we could be forgiven and have eternal life. I don't know who you are tonight, but if there's any chance at all you're in this service and you don't know Jesus Christ, can I tell you, there we all are. The word is unjust. We're sinners and we can't go to heaven. We don't even know where it is. But God, Jesus Christ, suffered for our sins. Deity took our place. Why? That we can get to God. That we can be forgiven that we can have the mercies of God and have eternal life and be on our way to heaven. You can't do that yourself. The church can't do that for you. I say this as gently, but I mean it. The Pope can't do that for you. The Virgin Mary can't do that for you. But there's a Savior named Jesus who can. He's the one that died for our sins. He's the one that was buried. He's the one that was raised from the dead. Come to Him. Believe on Him. Turn to Him. Call on Him. Trust in Him. You know what He'll do? Take away your sins and give you everlasting life. What a truth tonight. Somebody in this service, you're not on your way to heaven, but you could be before you walk out here tonight because Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. Jesus is the door. By Him, if you enter in, you'll be saved. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Peter said there's only one God and only one mediator between man and God, and the mediator is Jesus Christ who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Two things I want to ask you to do tonight. Number one, if you're not saved, I want to ask you to be saved through Jesus Christ. Do it tonight. Believe on it. So what do I do? Pray at your seat. Get on your knees in an aisle. Pastor and I will be at the front motion for us. We'll pray with you. This invitation to follow is a time for prayer. So come on, let us pray with you. We'll help you know you're going to heaven. That's the first thing. The second thing is I want to invite you as a church tonight to consider kneeling. To say, God, there's no doubt we love you. There's no doubt we're on our way to heaven, Lord. But the fact of the matter is we've gotten a little too busy and a little distracted we're not thriving when it comes to the gospel. God, would you fill us again with compassion, with love, with your power, with a heart for people that are in need? Would you help us to be ready to give the gospel to those who need it? Is that fair enough? Let's stand together. Heads about eyes are closed. You've been a gracious audience tonight. Bethany Joy, come on. And uh, let's just start there tonight. How many of you just would be willing to kneel and say, Lord, I, I want to sow the gospel, and it's been a while. Would you come pray about it? Just step out. Would you pray? Would you kneel tonight and pray about it? It's, you know, if you can't kneel, I understand that. But if you can, would you just say, Lord, it's, I just want to kneel tonight and ask you to help me to sow the gospel. Use me. Give me a burden. Maybe you need to pray for your family again, your son, your daughter, your mom, or your dad. Would you, would you kneel and pray? Bethany's going to start playing. Would you kneel and say, God, help me to sow the gospel? If you're able to kneel. And then would you listen to me tonight? 
while these are praying. How many of you tonight would say, Dave, I don't know I'm going to heaven. I don't know. But I want to know Jesus. Pray for me about that. Anybody at all? I, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Pray with me about that. Is there anybody I can pray for like that? I, I just don't know. Just motion for me. I'll have somebody come pray with you right by your seat. A anybody that way at all? I don't know I'm going to heaven. I do know I'm a sinner. I can admit that. But I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Anybody that way at all? Can I send somebody back to just meet you by your seat? They'll slip out and pray with you. They'll go out in the lobby and pray with you. I'd like to know more about God. Pray for me. I'd like to know I'm going to heaven. Pray for me. Anybody at all? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. God is real. He cares about you. God is real. Jesus died for your sins. Just turn to Him. Call on Him. Pray to Him. Let Him be your God and your Savior. one step further tonight, can we? How many of you standing there would say, David, there's a specific person that I'd really love to see God work in their heart. Pray for me that I can really reach them. I want to pray for them. I want to do all I can to give them the answers they need so they'll get saved. How many of you are thinking about somebody? Can I see your hands tonight? A specific person? All right, then take one moment and pray for them and ask God to help you to connect to them. Just take one moment and pray for them. This one verse, pray for them. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Now, if you believe that tonight, say amen. amen. Thank you for being here tonight. We've learned that we've got to know if we're going to thrive. And we've learned that we've got to grow if we're going to thrive. And tonight we learn we've got to sow. And I'll see you tomorrow night. I hope you'll bring somebody with you. Be praying, be fervent, let God work in your heart. All right, Reverend, are you ready? It's all yours. Wow, what another great message, and uh, looking forward to tomorrow night and Friday night. Don't uh, miss out on those. Let's see what God's going to do in our hearts. Again, we're taking that one step, and I'm hoping that that step's already taken. If we took three steps, think about that. I mean, just three spiritual steps this week as a congregation, how different our church would be. Uh, so we're just asking God to do some wonderful things. And what a joy it is. You can congratulate Miss Judy. She'll show you pictures, but that's all she got yet. It's going to be a couple weeks before she gets that van. We're excited about that. Teenagers, you ready to go sweat and bleed? You're going to. No, tonight's not a bleed night, I don't think, but you'll sweat anyway. Uh, so don't forget this meeting with Pastor Brett's group. So Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine. I'm going to give you peace. Love you all. You are dismissed. God bless.